Welcome to the snooze button. Hey, I'm Brittany of Brittany She and Sleep. I've got 99 problems, but my kid's sleeping isn't one. Guys, it is almost 2023. Can you believe it? I know I can't. Um, this is our last episode of the year. I hope everyone had a wonderful Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, refreshing day off from work, whatever you celebrate. Um, so today, I'm going to be talking about blackout curtains and other ways you can sabotage your baby or toddler's sleep environment. So yeah, this is a bit of a hot take. Um, you know, that's what makes me good at my job. Okay, so I'm going to tell you first, we'll just like dive right, right into it. What do I have against blackout curtains? Well, here's the thing. I'm not saying, because I feel like this would be a common misconception seeing the title of this podcast episode, I am not saying that using blackout curtains prevents your child from sleeping well. What I'm saying is they are equally capable of becoming an excellent sleeper off the bat or years down the road with a little bit more light as they are with a room that's completely blacked out. And that's very important for one specific reason. You don't live in a cave, okay? So if you live in a cave, if you're a caveman and you live in a cave and your baby or toddler is never going to sleep anywhere except their room and you're going to be able to always control the light, the sound, and everything perfectly, then you know what? Go ahead and and make the room pitch black. But for 99.9% of us, that is not reality. There is going to be noise. You are going to travel. You're going to need your baby to sleep in a pack and play at someone's house when you go there, whatever. There's going to be other places and situations that your baby is going to be in. So if you break your back to create the most pristine sleep environment in the world, best of luck to you when you travel. And you guys, not only do I hear this problem come up all the time with clients who have had their rooms pitch black for their babies since they were born, I've heard it come up with other sleep consultants. Like I'm in networking groups and things like that. And other sleep consultants will be like, we're traveling for the first time and I'm freaking out because the slumber pod is sold out and our baby can only sleep in a pitch black room. And I'm like, oh my God, you guys. So I don't want you to be that person. That's not, I don't want you to do that. And if your baby's already using blackout curtains, that's okay. You can start introducing a tiny bit of light you know, every week or two. It's not a big deal. It's not like if that's what they're used to, they can have no other way going forward. You can just start not closing the curtains 1000%. If you've been taping, you know, curtains to the walls or something, just stop doing that and just leave the blackout curtains, right? Then start to open them a tiny bit. Should the room feel significantly darker to your baby or toddler when they go to sleep? For sure. You know, like curtains wide open, blinds open, shades, whatever, during the day. And then when it's time for their nap, when it's time for bedtime, you're closing everything, right? I'm not saying you have like light streaming in at every corner, but they will become accustomed to sleeping with a little bit of light. And therefore, when you do travel and you're at an Airbnb that, you know, has bamboo curtains or something, it's not going to be a big deal because your baby's used to light. Or if you're at a, in, you know, staying in a hotel room um, and you need a little bit of light because the other people are awake and trying to get ready for bed or whatever, all of that is not going to matter. So just don't make it pitch black. Don't be the person um, I worked with last year who was trying to overnight like travel blackout shades onto Nantucket Island because their baby like couldn't sleep unless it was pitch black in the house they rented had very thin curtains. That's not going to be your your life, okay? So let's talk about beyond just blackout curtains, like other light that you could potentially have 
in your baby's room. So these are all things I'm going to mention to you guys that, or I'm going to discuss with you, I should say, that do not help you. They hurt you when you're thinking through your your baby or toddler sleep environment. And as I always do with my caveats, all of these things are changeable and are not probably going to be significant changes for your baby or toddler. So if you're listening to this and you're like, oh shit, I'm doing all these things, that's okay. We'll just stop doing them slowly, gradually, and it's no big deal. And it's going to help your baby. So other lights beyond the natural light that will come, you know, in the blinds or in the curtains is not necessary. Now, if you have a child who's at least three years old, probably older, who independently, not with your prodding or suggestion, such as, do you want a nightlight or are you afraid of the dark? That doesn't count. Please don't do that. But if they independently tell you, you know, multiple times, it's very clear. This is not a stall tactic. They genuinely seem a little bit afraid of the dark, which for sure can happen to older kids. If that is the case, absolutely a small nightlight is completely fine. If you have a hatch or something like that, you can also just use like, I, I'm a big fan of the like $2 just switch on and off nightlights, which can be great for both older kids who are, you know, expressing fear of the dark or for itty bitty newborns where you might need to go in and like nurse or bottle feed at night and you need, you know, not to be like bumping into the dresser when you're doing it. Great for those types of things. So just a small, small nightlight, a switch on and off type is perfect. Beyond that, you don't need to use any other light. Your baby is not afraid of the dark. And I, I've had people, you know, many people ask me that. Like, I think maybe they're, you know, afraid, they're crying at night because they're afraid of the dark. They're not that advanced, as as advanced as so many of these wonderful babies are. They are not afraid of the dark when they're six months old. So don't worry about that. The light is not going to help them sleep better. Um, and I think with a lot of these things, that's sort of like the common theme, is a lot of them are either like, you know, they're just sort of like a part of what you're, you think you're supposed to set up your baby's room to look like. You're like, oh, I'll, we'll play lullabies and project stars on the ceiling because that sounds relaxing. But even more often than that, it's like an attempt to fix a sleep issue. It's like, well, maybe if we play music, it'll like soothe them and calm them down or, you know, whatever. So just know that these things are not going to solve sleep issues. I think that's really important because I think it's, you know, it's, it's a bit of a fool's errand. And by the way, you guys, school is off for me and for everybody else this week so you're hearing yells and screams um I told Alex my husband not to come up here while I'm recording and I'm not even sure he got the text so there also could be someone bursting into the room at any moment I'm sorry I told you guys this is not a professional podcast I'm very professional but this is just more like me talking to my friends you know that's that's the vibe so I'm sorry if you hear screaming or if I have to stop to tell my husband to go away but it is what it is anyway my point being, there is, if your child or, you know, your baby, toddler, whatever, if they're not sleeping well, then we have the underlying issue of like getting them comfortable and happy in their sleep environment and trying these like quick fixes isn't going to do it, right? So I want you to avoid wasting your time, your money, your energy, buying like gadgets and gizmos aplenty, <laughs> get it? Gadgets and gizmos aplenty. Isn't that the line from that song? Um, what is that from? Is it The Little Mermaid? Yeah. Um, buying all that stuff because it's not going to help. So here's some other things that will not help. Um, and not only will not help, these are things that will, as the title of this episode implied, will sabotage your sleep environment. So not only are these things not going to help your child sleep better, they're probably going to make it worse. So using a light for a young toddler or a baby or a child who is not expressively expressly expressed fear of the dark 
is not going to help you. Um, and even if you do go that route, right, you have like a five-year-old who, you know, has seen some scary movies and is a little bit spooked by the dark and it does help them to have a nightlight. You do want to make sure it's just like that simple little plug-in nightlight. You do not want like stars projected on the ceiling, anything that's moving, making sounds, or is just really bright. Like we don't want the overhead light on, right? Like that's important. We don't want the big lamp on. Now, if you have an older kid, five, six, seven, that type of age, who is a great independent sleeper and you put them to bed and sometimes they like read themselves a book or play for a little bit and then they turn off their light, that's totally fine. My five-year-old even does that. He'll have some nights where he's like, can you leave my lamp on? And I do because he's autonomous and he will go to sleep when he's ready. He's happy in his room. So sometimes he will just like sit up and read for 30 minutes. Read is, and he doesn't know how to read. You know, he's looking at books. Um, and then he'll go turn his light off. That's fine. I'm saying we don't keep these things on overnight in an attempt to help a child sleep. So that's important. Let's talk now about sound. Because I think light and sound are the two big things that are often used to help kids sleep that end up not helping, making it worse. So just like with the blackout curtain concept, we don't want to create an environment that is so pristine that it's very precarious. And if it's not, you know, perfectly aligned the way you want it to be, all hell breaks loose. That's what we want to avoid. So that includes making it so quiet that you're like tiptoeing around the house that's not good either because guess what one time you are going to have you know the maintenance guy come in because the sink's clogged or you're going to have a friend over having a a glass of wine or something like there's going to be sound in your house doesn't matter how big or small or whatever from day one I would not be focusing on making the room and the house and whatever completely silent so what I want you to do is yeah avoid obviously horribly loud sounds. I don't say like blare rap music right outside your baby's door, but do vacuum. Do like walk around the house and talk on the phone. Do the things that you would do otherwise from day one. That's important. Um, And make sure the door is shut. I know that might sound dumb, but I very, very often have clients where the door is ajar. And for babies, that's that is just going to it's going to create like that double sort of conflict like you kind of have to tiptoe around now because the door is wide open and while we want there to be normal noise normal noise when someone's sleeping is not somebody talking in their bedroom right so normal noise is the door is shut white noise is on and you are conducting your life as normal outside of the room so that's what you want um so you don't want to make your life harder by keeping the door ajar you'll hear them if they cry Trust me, you will. You can use a monitor. You don't need the door to be open at night or during the day. Um, And for toddlers, we want the door to be closed always. And and kids, number one reason is is a fire hazard. Um, I do not have the stat on hand. I should have gotten that. But it is something like uh, you're 900 times more likely to have like a, you know, very bad outcome from a fire in a house if the door is open because the fire spreads much more quickly. So if a door is shut, it prevents the fire from spreading. And the the difference is extremely dramatic. I think it is like 900 times or something like that. So we should all always have your doors, like everyone should have their door closed when they're sleeping, um, regardless of how old you are. But beyond that, if we're looking beyond like the safety perspective, um, it creates a clear boundary for your toddler. And that's important, right? The more black and white you make it for kids, the easier it is for them to understand what's going on. So a door ajar is just like 
an invitation to negotiate how much the door should be open. And obviously, just like babies, it also means that you definitely have to tiptoe around, right? So if you have a three-year-old who is demanding that the door is open a crack, like they are watching to see when you walk by, if you're going downstairs, like whatever the thing is. So we always want the door to be shut. And then when we talk about the white noise itself, this is another really common thing I'll see when I'm going through a client's intake, because of course I ask lots of questions about their sleep environment, and I'm trying to deduce if anything's going on that could be making it harder for them to sleep that we can course correct. Um, And one of those things is what sort of white noise they're using. So when you're looking at your options for white noise, especially if you have a product like the Hatch or something else where there's multiple options, I wish they didn't make multiple options. I'm really one of those less is more people, you know? It's like you buy a new like washer dryer or dishwasher and there's like 18 different settings and you're like, I don't know, clean? I, I would like the option of clean it, clean it efficiently. <laughs> like That's what I want. It's kind of like that. So in the case of white noise, You want it to be like a static, constant sound. This is really important because that will relax your baby's little brain. If the sound is not static, think of it as boring. If it's not a boring, constant sound, it is stimulating their brain. And I totally see why parents make this mistake because you're thinking like sort of two options. You're thinking from a baby's perspective, like music is soothing. It's like a spa, you know, like it's like I'm going to the the Four Seasons baby room and we're going to play some twinkle twinkle and we'll have some rain sounds and some ocean waves and some crickets. I totally get it. it. That is relaxing for you and me. And listen, if you want to do that when you're like feeding the baby or doing their bedtime routine, go for it. That's awesome. But we don't need cats in the cradle at 4 a.m. That is not good. Um, that is stimulating their brain, which is the opposite of what you want to be happening if you're hoping that they're asleep. So then you think about it from a toddler's perspective I will often have families use you know if it's music that's that's one thing but sometimes they'll have like a moshi or a meditation app or something like that that is no bueno okay we have to remember that little kids I think because sometimes they're very articulate and always very opinionated we forget that their brains and their bodies are just very different from us as adults. So if you're using something like Calm or Headspace or whatever for yourself to fall asleep, I think that can be excellent, especially for people who struggle to unwind. I'm one of those people and I will occasionally use the Calm app and listen to like a a bedtime or a sleep meditation. Those are great. But as an adult, you're capable of, of processing and thinking through like, relax your fingers pay attention to each, like, whatever. Your four-year-old isn't. I know your four-year-old is smart. I have a very smart five-year-old. I really do think he's smart. Um, He is not smart enough to literally do a sleep meditation. So that's stimulating. That is not going to help them relax. So we want to avoid to sum all of this up. White noise that's anything but ambient. I believe on the hatch it's the TV setting, but, you know, a fan is fine, honestly. People forget that. If you want to just buy a fan on Amazon instead of a white noise machine, that is totally awesome. Ambient white noise and not using any type of app or, you know, using your phone, anything like that for toddlers. Now, one exception to using something like Moshi or a Tony Box, Zenimal. I love Zenimal, by the way. I'm going to link all of these products too. Anything like that is an excellent thing to use if you have a toddler who has transitioned to quiet time. Now, quiet time, we are not expecting your child to sleep. We are expecting them to relax their brain and body, hang out quietly, 
have some time to themselves. So if our intent is not for them to sleep, which, you know, this we're talking about like four or five, six-year-olds, then something like Moshi or Zenimal or a Tony Box is great. Those are awesome products. We just don't want them to be used as a part of a bedtime routine or like actual sleep, right? So you're using that for quiet time or, or it can just be during awake time, right? It might be like winding down after dinner, you know, your kids get to listen to... Um, listen to a book on their Moshi app and then, or sorry, on their Tony box. And then we go upstairs and we start getting ready for bed, something like that. Okay. And I I think for many of you, this goes without saying, but I would be remiss not to say never TV, never giving your kids an iPhone to unwind at bedtime, like anything that is a screen, right? So that blue light before bed, that's a real thing. I know as adults, we're all so guilty of this and like using our phones I need to get one of those apps. I'm sure you all have heard of this. There's like an app where you can cap the amount of time you spend on your phone or like on social apps or whatever. I'm thinking of getting that because I I definitely am guilty of staying up too late, just scrolling aimlessly or like going down some really weird rabbit hole um, of like some, you know, whatever on, on Instagram or something. So all to say, no TV, no phone. And I really would limit that stuff to at least 30 minutes before your child is going to bed, right? We want to have at least 30 minutes where they've had time to decompress before bedtime. Okay, so the last thing I want to talk about, I really do think that light and sound are the biggest kind of factors of a sleep environment being sabotaged. But there is one other thing that I will commonly see is not happening with clients when they come to me that we add to their routine that I think can really help. And this is true whether you have a six-month-old baby or a six-year-old child is not keeping the room totally barren. And I, I understand, again, why parents do this. Because, you know, we've been told as adults, like, your room, you know, your bed should really be for sleep. Like, don't, you know, sit on your bed on your laptop. You know, it should feel separate. Like, your your body does start to understand, like, this is a place I go to sleep. This is a place I go to do work or hang out. And that is 100% true for the actual place that your baby or toddler is sleeping. So, yes, we don't want to ever like put your baby in the crib to play, right? So if you're doing that, I would not do that. If you need to put them down somewhere because you need to like take a shower, fold laundry, whatever, then use something like a playpen. Also, if you're taking a shower, you should probably be seeing them, but that's a separate issue, right? If you need them to be contained for some amount of time, don't use their crib as the place where you put them because that is confusing, right? We do want them to get the message that like when I put you in this, you know, particular thing, you're supposed to go to sleep, Otherwise, you're awake. That is very true. However, their room can be a place that they play. So for babies and for toddlers, you don't want their room to feel like this is the place that I'm like dumped off to sleep. Not even like in a dramatic way, like I'm being abandoned, but just like the only association they have with the room is going to sleep. Because a lot of times, and you know, I really do think even like a nine-month-old can be a little bit of a FOMO baby, um, whether they're a baby or a toddler. They might want to hang out with you and play and not do sleep. And you want their room, like crossing that threshold into their room, to be a place that they have a happy, positive association, especially if they're learning to become a great sleeper and it doesn't feel like that to them off the bat, right? So this can be very simple. If it's a baby, that could be as simple as like you put a play mat in there and while you're doing something like catching up on emails or folding laundry or like listening to a podcast, you can just go into the room with them. And guys, this can be a tiny room, like 
I have clients who are in New York City or in San Francisco, like have really small apartments. It's okay if it's like a little Harry Potter closet. Like your baby's not that big. You can sit with them in there. Um, So you're in that room hanging out. It's not associated with their like nap or bedtime routine. It's just they're hanging out. They're playing. They're on their play mat. Maybe they're doing some tummy time, playing with some little toys. And then even more so when we're talking about like a toddler or a big kid, the two things I would do is declutter it a little bit. If there's a ton of stuff in there, I will sometimes have clients like I'll look at their the pictures of their sleep environment and I'll be like, let's just take five minutes and get some of the clothes off the floor. Just make it a little bit more serene environment, you know, because um, kids are, you know, they, they make messes constantly. I get it. Um, try to declutter a bit if you're on kind of that side of the spectrum. And if you're on the other side where it really is kind of like a barren room and they just have like their bed and a dresser and like there really aren't any toys in there, just think of a couple of things that your child likes. It could be like magnetiles, a train set, a dollhouse. Bring something into the room and just play with them in there, right? We want them to have this positive association. Like my room is my happy place. You know, like when you're a 12 or 13 year old girl and you're like mad at your parents because they like won't let you go to... I don't know, someone's house that night because you didn't do your homework yet and you're like slamming the door and writing your diary like, dear diary, mom is so mean. That is like what we want your toddler, not that they think you're mean. <laughs> we want your toddler to have like that, that kind of association. Like it's, it's their place, right? Like when the world is against them, they're happy going into their room, daydreaming, playing, having fun. And so you want them to have that feeling even if they're like two years old, three years old. So just having some stuff in there and some time in there that's not associated with sleep means when it's time to go into that room at night, it's like, this is my spot, not like a place that I hate because my parents just forced me to go to bed and I don't want to. Okay, so I hope that helped. I think these are all things that if you're doing them already, awesome. And if you are not, they are things that you can incorporate over time to the degree that you are ready to do it gradually. And it's probably going to start to have a bit of a positive impact on your baby or toddler's sleep. And remember, the sleep and environment stuff matters, but it's not the only thing. So don't feel like all of these little things are immediately going to fix your sleep problems, right? I kind of alluded to that before. It is just one piece of the puzzle. Um, I would also like to take a minute now to thank all of you for joining me every week on this news button. I had been meaning to start this podcast for literally a year before I actually did it. And I'm so glad that I pulled the trigger. Um, It never gets old hearing from you guys how much you love it and sending me messages about it. I so appreciate it. It's really, really fun for me. And hopefully lots more in store next year. Please tell your friends about the snooze button. Continue to share it. Leave reviews. All of it matters and really is appreciated. Okay, guys. Next week when we chat, it's going to be 2023. Can't freaking believe it. Next week, I'm going to premiere the episode I recorded a few weeks ago with Jenny Greenstein of Your Soul Style, the second in my Client Confidential series. She is a client of mine who is a stylist in New York, and she gives us some amazing tips for looking your best as a mom in 2023. Spoiler, you don't have to throw away all your skinny jeans. That was my favorite takeaway. Um, and she'll talk about working with me with an older child. So if you have a child who is struggling with sleep who's not a baby, I worked with Jenny's five-year-old daughter, and we're going to talk about that experience in their small New York apartment and so many other things. So hope you guys have a great, happy, healthy new year, and I can't wait to see you next year. 
Loving the snooze button? Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And please leave a review. I will read it and internalize it, so make sure it's very glowing. If you're interested in working with me or learning more about my courses, head to brittanysheehan.com or follow me on Instagram at Sleep.